Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Football Book Club, the only book club where instead of literary classics, each week we read another footballer's autobiography. Less Nick Hornby, more Stiginka Bjornaby. Thank you. <laughs> follow the trawler on Twitter for that. Any more, Bloody send them in. hell, follow the trawler. That is a good one. It's, it's good. I suppose there's a definition <laughs> of what good means. Mm, outside Jack. the box. <laughs> we can't just roast our listeners all the time. It's a very good one. It's good. It's good if if that's what no you're going gonna for. No one's going to send them in good. If, if you're just going to slag them off. Or maybe no, they enjoy it. They, they uh, like me being mean to them. Uh, they love they it. They pay good money for that, for Jack. Yeah, yeah that's true. Come to my cameo. I'll, uh... <laughs> I think you mean your OnlyFans, right? Oh uh, Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. My OnlyFans. <laughs> I'm James Bug, and today we have a slightly different show to normal. Wider reading, where we have a week off from reading a book uh, for something a little bit special. It's basically our equivalent of an international break, but importantly, not shit. So today we're going to be chatting <laughs> to... Uh, today we're going to be chatting to a very special guest, the brilliant author, journalist and star of Peter Crouch podcast and so many other podcasts. Peter Crouch! Uh, we're going to start the fire. <laughs> Joe, yeah, <laughs> not Peter Crouch. Uh, Tom Fordyce is, of course, the person who's coming on and he's not only a great writer in his own right, but he's written countless sports autobiographies with Jamie Redknapp, Crouchy, of course, Geraint Thomas, Chris Gale and many more so there's a lot for us to asking and joining me to do so uh, as always Jack Bernhardt and Natasha Daniels how you doing guys hi hello good 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 I'm excited that we haven't had to read anything this week <laughs> yeah that is <laughs> god I hate reading half we're what a third through the series uh, how you found it so far guys okay mm. luckily I had my Botox topped up this week so you can't tell what I'm actually <laughs> <laughs> God, it's a real Joan Rivers response. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That really is. Uh, so the Nevilles will never be any the wiser what Tash thought of them. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Botox. Are you excited to chat to, to touch Tom Fordyce today? It's going to be great, right? Yes. I'm really, yeah, yeah, I'm really excited. I'm a big fan. Yes, yeah, He's a good writer. That's, yeah, that's I know. It's, it's quite something. I was thinking, it's going to be weird talking to someone who's written an actual football book and not the things that we find off the back of a lorry. And that's not to me. Some of those you read are great, but I think Tom will be a really, really great... I'm, I'm yeah. very excited. So let's get down to it. Here's what happened when Football Book Club met Tom Fordyce. We're joined by an extra special guest. He's the star of that Peter Crouch podcast. He's the former chief sports writer for the BBC, and he's written countless sports books on his own and with sports stars such as Jamie Redknapp, Chris Gale, and Geraint Thomas. 
It's Tom Fordyce. Hey guys, Woo! nice to be here. Thanks Tom, for having me on. Thanks for joining us. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm very excited about this. I mean, look, I spend my life thinking about sports books, football books. So, you know, to chat with some other people who are doing the same thing yeah. is quite the thrill. First things first. So this isn't awkward. We definitely haven't said anything bad about any of your books on the show. Are you sure? <laughs> like, all three of you look me in the eye. Uh, Make a I'm, solemn oath. <laughs> we solemnly swear. Uh, <laughs> we never have nor shall read a Tom Fordyce book on the show unless... Well, look, if if I produce something absolutely rubbish, listen, pile in. (laughs) Yeah, I will not give you the same promise because we are fair on this podcast. Yeah, Yeah. we're not going to go in for for mean reasons. I mean, did you write Gary and Phil Neville's autobiography, The (laughs) Book Club and Country? No, I did not. Okay, then you're then you're probably okay. But it, some some of the books we read are good. Uh, let's just get that aside, just just in case Grant Holt's <laughs> listening. His, some books are very good that we read. But anyway, you're also our second Sheffield Wednesday fan on the show in a row after the comedian Glenn Moore last week. Oh yeah, is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, I don't think I don't think we've done a Sheffield Wednesday book yet, have we? No, I think we were looking some up and we couldn't we couldn't find well, the, many. Yeah, the, re- the reason why you can't find any is because we've been so bad for so long. It's a low standard player that no one is interested in reading their life story. But would, Tom, would you like to write, you know, Benito Carboni's book or something like that? If if they <laughs> if they gave you the option, would you? Did you ever see? I think it was I think it was when Carboni and uh, Paolo Di Canio were both there, and there's. You know when a club photographer has to welcome a new signing and they sort of think, you know the picture I'm talking about, don't you? Weirdly, someone sent it to us about two days ago. The one with the frozen pizza. It's a frozen pizza and they've gone, right, yeah, a couple of Italian lads, let's get a pizza. We haven't got a cooked pizza. Let's just take the cellophane wrapping off this floppy frozen pizza and get them to bite into it as if it's cooked. That's the second time we've heard of a uh, person eating a raw pizza on this podcast. uh, What was the other one? series. Uh, Chris Kamara's mum, weirdly. Deliberately or... A prank from Chris Kamara? Uh, apparently, Chris, Chris Kamara was like, I bet you she ate that raw pizza. Bizarre. Also, Bizarre this, is story. A deep, this is a deep cut, but I think in Gary Monk's book, uh, he talks about Andy Tate uh, trying to cook a pizza on a, a hob ring. He <laughs> 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 a whole pizza on like a hob ring on an oven and tries to cook it. That's right, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Do you think Andy Tate was the club photographer for Sheffield Wednesday? <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, right. <laughs> they were onto a winner here. Uh, Tom, if you had a dream subject, for a book who would it be if, I mean obviously you've written with some great people already but if there's anyone you could write a book with living or dead who would it be oh, James you've gone, you've gone in the big hard question there. I know there's no easing <laughs> in on this show I'm going to prevaricate for a moment or two by saying that usually the thing that makes you excited about doing a book it's not just the subject but it's what you can do with it so if you sit down with someone they say they want to do a book and they just want to do a bog standard autobiography. It can be a bit dull because so many have been written mm-hmm. that they're not hugely exciting to read. And as a result, they're not particularly exciting to write. So I think the excitement often comes from sitting down with someone and, and them being open to doing something different. Um, so with the Jamie Redknapp one, which when did we bring that one out? That came out in October last year. Yeah. So it was this time last year that I was finishing it off. Um, the premise for that one was was almost slightly strange in that we stop it when he scores his first goal for Liverpool at the age of 18. But the reason we like that is because it enabled us to do a proper deep dive into his unique footballing childhood. You know, the way mm. that he'd be, his dad would be taking him to school at the age of 13 and then just go, you don't fancy school, do you? Not really, dad, no. <laughs> Want to come training with Bournemouth? Yes, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so That's we great. could do a proper deep dive, like 85,000 words on that. And then you can just get much more original with it and you can tell more stories. And because that one was at the cusp of football uh, changing, 
So Jamie was coming into that Bournemouth first team at 16 and he's got Tony Pulis as a mm. player alongside him. And Tony Pulis is basically there to break people's legs <laughs> and, and is quite happy for people to know that. And he's teaching Jamie the dark arts. He's teaching him how to sort of go over the top of the ball. But at the same time, there's players like Ian Bishop, who um, was such a creative midfielder at um, yeah, West I, Ham. West Ham, yeah. yeah West yeah. Ham, City, long hair, quite glamorous looking at that time. So there was these different influences on Jamie. And then he gets to Liverpool and it's still quite old school, but the world is changing. And some of the players are still going out on the smash after training, but a few have started picking up this strange food stuff called broccoli. <laughs> eating it <laughs> so that was a really fun one to do and then the one to the Crouchy because yeah. Crouchy had done a book uh, the superbly titled Walking Tall yes. which came out in maybe 2007 so he's at Liverpool mm-hmm. it's after the World Cup after he pulls Brent Sancho's dreadlocks uh, for England against <laughs> Trinidad remember. and score that yeah. goal so he wanted to do something different and I wanted to do something different because um, I didn't feel I don't think he was. A, he really got into that first book, and I don't think. I think the publishers probably wanted something just quite straight down the line. But I thought, listen, the thing about Pete is his sense of humour and mm-hmm. the way that he looks at the world. Like, so he this this whole premise that he is an elite footballer who's scored twenty odd goals for England, played at World Cups, but who looks at football the way that we do. He looks at football as a fan. So once you've got that idea in your head, you think, well, how can we capture this? And you don't then want to do a chronological thing where you start with, I was a born in and my parents did dot, 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 which is a pretty boring way of starting a book. Yeah, so a lot if of you books you've read have done that. They all do. They all <laughs> yeah. do. So going in episodic and just going, do you know what? I want, there's all this stuff that we know now about football. There's all this stuff that, that, that's talked about tactically, but there's the stuff that hasn't been talked about before. So what goes on on the team bus? What goes on in team hotels? All that's, that inside part of football and then by making that book episodic around those things, you could just bring in the best stories without doing all the whole, when I was 12, you know, I scored 40 goals for my school team, et cetera, et cetera. It just liberated you. So that is a very, very long-winded way of saying that it's often the premise as much as the name, as much as the subject that ah. is why you want to do a book. That's that's the way that you phrase that makes it sound like maybe there's some people that you turn down. Tash, Tash, I have turned people down. (laughs) But sometimes that's because certainly when I was at the BBC, the books were I was doing them in my spare time, and there was always a balance, a time balance thing. Yeah. Um, So you couldn't do anything that would get in the way of your day job, uh, Uh. understandably. So um, sometimes a book would come along. So the Crouchy one, I was going to have a bit of a breather because I'd had a slightly crazy run of books where I'd done. Uh, I'd done one for Garrett Thomas and then I'd done a Chris Gale book because I couldn't not do a Chris Gale book. Of course. So I'd done that one and then I really needed a bit of a break because you're spending all your evenings typing and all your weekends typing. So you need to rebalance your life. But it's, I always say with books, if you're, so my, if my literary agent phones me up uh, and tells me, would you, would you be interested in doing this for all the sort of the sensible and logical things that go on in your brain about, do I have the time? Is this story interesting? Etc. Etc. Usually, it's just a snap decision. It's like when you meet someone, and you tend to know, don't you? Sometimes within ten seconds, mm-hmm. if you're going to get on with them. Ooh. And it was like that with the crowd. We've been chatting for ten minutes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you clearly made your mind up already on this. <laughs> so it was just. It, David said to me, "Would you be interested in a book with Peter Crouch?" And my brain just did the calculations in about five seconds, and I just went. Fuck yeah, I would, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, would. I would. I'm exhausted and my fingers have gone wonky from typing <laughs> relentlessly for the past two years, but yes, I would like to do a book with Crouchy. Yeah. Oh, amazing. 
That's so wait, did the did the podcast come out of that, or was it? Yeah, yeah, wow, yeah. So the podcast, okay. the podcast came off the back of that. So the reason the podcast is as it is, so episodic, is because that's what worked with the book. So I was sitting down, um, often actually in the Holiday Inn. Uh, Tash, you might know this Holiday Inn, Junction Fifteen oh, of the M6. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. what is, I actually what is with... stayed there after my prom. That's how glamorous. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> You'll be familiar with quite how glamorous it is then. Oh yeah. The sound of the M6 rumbling mm. by, the sound of the dual carriageway. Why do um, service stations but, come yeah. up so often on this podcast? Footballers are obsessed with having meetings in, in service, service stations. stations. Yeah, so Tom, weird. this is rubbed off on you, clearly. Just hang out with yeah. the sports stars. Well, the strange thing about it, because it's, it's not far, as, as Tash will tell you, it's not far from the training ground, is it, Tash? So, so the Stoke players who don't live in the Stoke area would often overnight there. But then they're almost hiding in plain sight. So I would be sitting in the um, the little uh, restaurant bit, Tash, around the back of reception. Oh, yeah. Uh, where Delicious. you would have had breakfast in the morning after yeah. prom. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> you'd, you'd see people walk past and see a man of six foot eight who looked exactly like Peter Crouch. And then they'd, <laughs> and then they'd, they'd sort of, you could see them glance over and then they'd do a, a little mental sandwich. It was like, why would a millionaire footballer be staying in this? And you'd see them walk on. It was like, oh, that's so strange. He looks just like Peter Crouch, but clearly he wouldn't be staying here. So Hiding in plain there. sight. That's amazing. Hiding in plain sight. So we'd sit there. That's and very he, hard for him. It is, yeah. Yeah. He, he would just make me laugh in a way that we're all now familiar with from the podcast. Sure. Uh, my partner has got no interest in football whatsoever. She could not give less of a shit. Um, but I was getting back from these, these sessions in the holiday and at Junction 15. And I'd be playing her bits off my dictaphone, which would just be me and Pete laughing our heads off. And sometimes she'd just indulge us and sometimes she would laugh along as well. <laughs> and that's when I thought, there could be something in this. Yeah. <laughs> might be more than a book. <laughs> Let's start this from scratch. So say yeah. David Dunn comes up to you and goes, Tom, any football... David Dunn's the first who I wrote... Sorry, David. Notes. I laughed at David Dunn. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry David. The very idea. David, David had a fine career. <laughs> Tom is not interested. He's got Benito coming up. Uh, yeah, so David Dunn comes up to you and goes, Tom, I want you to tell the story of David Dunn. Where do we start? What happens? What's the first thing you do? How do you, how do you, how do you go from David asking you this question to getting the book to print? Yeah, okay. So you think of your angle. What can we do that's different here? You'd have a, a, a chat with David, see if there was stuff you didn't know about him. You'd done a bit of research beforehand um you'd think what yeah what could we do that's different about this is there a particular period we we might want to dive into like if we're talking about david dunn do we make this all about 1990s football Mm -hmm. is this like the insider guide to 90s 90s football okay um and then you think about some of the players he'd played with at blackburn and birmingham and some of the managers and try to think about i think this in-depth process might be why we've never had to slag one of your books off because i don't think any book that we've ever read has gone into this what's the pun we can do with the name okay uh, done done it the hard way there we go exactly well maybe that's where i'm going wrong i think the best pun i've i've heard is actually it's a non-football one it's a rugby one so uh, lee byrne the former wales fullback see if you can guess the title of lee byrne's autobiography i'm gonna Bur- give you a little clue because burned- i can see burned once uh, burned twice, <laughs> twice it is yeah, burn- it is a pun is a pun on a series of films a successful series of the films. burn identity oh. is the right answer <laughs> yes. <James>. very good <laughs> very good i was going like so, the burn locker Burn after, burn after reading? <laughs> burn after reading would have been good, actually. Remember well, that's you can call one. yours, Jack, that, Jack. I will. Yeah, true. That's, With an e. Tom, are you interested in... Uh... <laughs> Let's talk, Jack. You were trying to get to the bottom of David Dunn's angle. 
<laughs> David Adankle, yeah, now you're, you're absolutely right, Tash. You can do this in a totally different way, which is someone says to you, I'm going to give you X amount of, of pounds to write 80,000 words, and you just see it purely and as And you'll never a, proofread them. You just submit yeah, and, them and it goes to print. Exactly, and you would be surprised, or maybe you wouldn't actually with the books that you've read, <laughs> um, how many footballers slash managers never read their own books. Have no interest oh, yeah. in their own we, books. They wow. admit it as well. Chris Kamara famously, I think, said, who, whose book we read said, I've, I'm not a big reader. I've never even read my own autobiography. <laughs> so, and apparently that genuinely is true. He, he's yeah, he's you, doubled you down be, a couple of times. Exactly. Exactly. So I think once you've decided once you're going to do, then it's a question of you need to spend time together and then you need to work out um, how you spend that time together. So you know that strange thing where you often have great conversations with friends when you're driving one of you's mm-hmm. in the passenger seat, one of you's driving. And this is a strange thing about eye contact is meant to be everything with conversations, but sometimes the opposite is true. And you can sit in a car and have actually really great conversations just staring at the road ahead of you. Oh, so you have yeah. to work out with the person you're sitting down with what situation is going to get them most relaxed and most able to open up and remember stuff. So let's say with the Brownlee boys game way back, so that was the first book I ghosted, with those boys, I would go out on a long bike because when they're on their bikes, they're totally relaxed. So I would go out on a long bike ride with them through the day. I was like four hours, them doing the hard work, me sitting on the wheels. Oh my- and you'd, okay, you'd, right, chew, yeah. <laughs> you'd chew stuff over. And then cycling is a bit like driving and you're just staring ahead and it's almost mm-hmm. like, it's quite meditative, I think. Mm-hmm. So we would have really good conversations doing that. With Chris Gale, like it can help if you're doing a deep dive into someone's childhood. And we did this with the Jamie Redknapp book as well, is you physically go back there. So with Chris Gale, I went over to stay with him in Jamaica and then we oh. went back to the literally the shack where he grew up, just this sort of piles of, of concrete breeze blocks with like a um, cor- piece of corrugated iron as a roof. And you went back there and you just sat there and all the memories came back. So you talked and talked then and you walked around the streets and you went to his old school and all and that you stuff. A, so you, are you holding a dictaphone at this time or are you just remembering stuff? Often? Yeah, you, well, usually dictaphone. Sometimes if you're... Sometimes you're just making notes in your phone. The beauty of a dictaphone is you don't want anything to break the the conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you're going, hang on, Chris, just one second, you're fancy making shorthand notes <laughs> of or course. tapping yeah. your, into your iPhone. Yeah. So you, tr- you, you try and get someone in a situation where the memories flow and they're relaxed. Uh, with Crouchy, what I would do is I would send them a little bit of homework. So I'd say, right, okay, the topic today is going to be managers. And I would send them on his phone um, a load of little notes or a little sort of jumping off points. And then when he was getting the train up to Stoke, because he would get the train up to Stoke on a Monday, stay at the Holiday Inn on the Monday night and go back Tuesday, he would make little notes on his phone and ah. then we would go through it and you would just you would just chew over little things like that. And then if you want to be really diligent, then you have a second pass at stuff sometimes. So you might write the first draft mm-hmm. and then you realise that people are going to get more recollections of stuff as they read it. So you might read it with them um, or you might literally print it off for them sometimes and then get them to scribble things in the margin and mm. then go through them again. So you need like two or three passes at it. You might also, if their memory isn't great, um, or if you just want a, a deeper dive, you might talk to people around them. So you might talk obviously to parents for, for early stuff, um, mates, old teammates. It's almost like doing a benign best man speech. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I see all that. the stories that they can't quite remember will be a bit embarrassed to tell you. That's what yeah. Actually, that's, that's a job. Awesome a job that I used to do sometimes is write best man speech for people. Really? And, uh, yeah, for wedding speeches for people. Yeah, it's honestly true. And the tips we give people who, when they don't necessarily want to buy the bespoke service, is you know get all your family and friends together 
and just get them to uh, you know to recall some of the memories and stuff. Or like if you're writing yeah. your best man speech, get their mum and dad involved, send them a message, see what's going on. James, I feel but, like your whole life has been leading up to writing a football. Yeah, I, I do feel like I, I think it's going, going that way, James. That way. I really want to write Tim Sherwood's autobiography. I've said this uh, before on the podcast. Has he not done one? Amazingly, not exactly. No. This is why I, I've got the name. It's called the man behind the gilet, uh, and I don't know if we're—he knows nothing about it at the moment. But hopefully, actually, I'm, I'm quite happy to write it without, with or without Tim Sherwood's blessing. So I think that's um, that's. I've offered to write do. Tom Pope's for free, and I've oh, sent, true. I've, I've tweeted him, and he's still not come back to me. He's not what, come back. What better either. is he doing? Yeah, that's that's that a very good question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we've got we've got so David Dunn. You're calling his. You're calling Nana Dunn. You're taking David yeah. back to wherever. All he the Duns. Yeah, all the du- <laughs> getting the Duns on the phone. And then once you start showing them, actually, this is really nice. This, this is a, a little stroll through your childhood, or this is a stroll through your happiest times as a sports person, and your greatest moments as a footballer. Then they really start enjoying it, and then you're sitting down and you're watching old games with them, and they're thinking, "God, this is great. This is. You know, I mean, it's a massive ego boost, really. Yeah, it's isn't like, this it? is like, your life." Yeah. Yeah. It is, yeah. but you're in control of it, I suppose. That's that's the other th- thing about it, James. You are in control of it. So it's your version. It's not like someone else is telling your story for you. If there's stuff you've always wanted to say about someone, you can say it. If there's something you've always wanted to say in your defence or an explanation you want to give, this is where you can give it. Yes, that's that 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 hints that's towards genuinely. nicely towards what we're going to bring up slightly later. But that is, um, yeah, that's that's really that's that's really interesting. We're around that because we spoke to. Jack, do you remember when we spoke to Daniel Brigham, who uh, was the writer yes, of yeah. Grant Holt's book? And he described yeah. sitting with Grant Holt. Uh, I think Grant Holt used to go into a tiny room at Carrow Road somewhere uh, with together, and then he'd eat loads of crisps, he told us, all the way through the recording. <laughs> but his book is generally very guess, good. Never from his physique. No? Yeah. Oh, imagine <laughs> transcribing that if he recorded it, and it's just like... Oh, that, oh. Yeah, like <laughs> 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 Words ruined by everyone. sound of crisps being yeah. eaten. <laughs> but he... Um, he said that um, it was a lot like therapy in many ways yeah. for Grant. He said, like, sitting there with him, you know, he'd just be sitting there with his idol, Grant Holt, and sometimes Grant Holt would just, you know, start crying, talking about his relationship with his father and stuff. And is that something you found a lot in books that, uh, I guess this going back to old memories and stuff, hints towards that? Yeah, there's a there's a very, a very, it's a strange relationship really between ghost and subject because it's super intense at times, yet it's finite. So it depends how long you have to write the book. You know, I've written some very fast fast books. Sometimes like the Laura and Jason one had to be written ludicrously in three weeks um, after the Olympics. <laughs> so that was 85,000 words. The conversation oh down the right, which, which is which is why my fingers are twisted and bent backwards <laughs> like an old witch's. Um, but that was it is, your Olympics. Really. <laughs> that, was, that was my Olympics, yeah. It's a finite relationship, but it's very intense because you are talking about a lot of things they might not have talked about with other people or stuff they might not have thought about for a while. And often it is um, some really sensitive topics about relationships with parents who may or may not still be alive. And yeah, I, I always have to say at the start, and this was particularly true when I was chief sports writer at the BBC, is mm-hmm. that these conversations are between me and you only. These aren't going to appear in uh, an article on the BBC Sport website or in a chat on Five Live. This is this is totally confidential between us two. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you know how you can't tell someone to trust you, that you have to actually prove that they can trust you. It takes a little bit of time, you know, sometimes with these relationships. Um, you can't kiss their ass because sports people are used to having their asses kissed. Mm-hmm. You just have to be just quite normal, I think. Okay. And then you do get those points. I mean, with Jamie's book, because a lot of it's about his family. Yeah. Um, 
and they are the Redknapps are a very tight knit family. And when we're talking about the the car crash his dad had um, mm. at the nineteen ninety World Cup, where yeah. he almost died and his friend died, and he's in hospital on um, in Italy. And Jamie, who would have been seventeen at that point, has to fly out to Italy with his brother and try and find his dad and doesn't know whether his dad's uh, dead or alive. Oh, my gosh. Then, you know, there are a lot of t- uh, tears around there. Um, so that, yeah, you, you, you build up... Yeah, it's strange because you build up a bond and you will always have that bond because you've shared that stuff with them. But then you'll get to the point where the reason for you spending time with them, which is the book, will pass. So it's it's unlike most other relationships because if you form that sort of bond with someone, ordinarily, you'd, I mean, you do stay in touch with them. Um but it's not like you sort of hang out with them as you would with a friend. Do you know what I mean? It's quite, it's yeah. quite a strange thing. It's a privilege, really, because you're getting to meet some really fascinating people. And if, if like us, like you are obsessed with football and sport, you know, you do get this incredible view of what it's really like. And you get taken inside these worlds that you've only looked at from the outside before. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a strange relationship. But if it goes well, it's, it can be really special. That's such a beautiful and profound answer that i feel so stupid asking my next question on the piece of paper grant holt ate crisps did any of the people you did books with eat any funny snacks that is a that is a great segue james thank you <laughs> oh my god okay let me think wanna, i what, said i didn't want to ask it i said i didn't want to ask let it. me think what snacks okay in uh, reverse order of books that i've done uh, Jamie Redknapp loves sweets. He will always eat sweets in the car. Ah. Crouchy um, is an absolute soup fiend. Soup. He will take a soup, soup fiend. fiend. Yeah, he'll take on a soup uh, wherever like he can get one. Like a proper soup or a proper soup? Proper soup if he can get one, yeah. I mean, he would have one from the Holiday Inn range. Um, okay. Whoa. range as if they've got yeah. five or six soups <laughs> to choose from rather than just a soup. I love soup. the idea. He would go to Waitrose and be like, sorry, do you have the Holiday Inn range? <laughs> yeah. uh, Looking for something from the Holiday Inn range. <laughs> Uh, so would he ever make? Soups. Would he ever make his own soup? Footballers don't tend to make their own food. Mm, as a rule of thumb, that's true. You're right. As a rule, of thumb. there's a reason why Benito Carboni and Paolo Canini <laughs> yeah. didn't make the pizza themselves. <laughs> exactly. That's true. Exactly. Who else has eaten what? Uh, with Chris Gale, there was quite a lot of Jamaican foods. We used to sit on his balcony nice. and have jerk fish and stuff like that, and, and rice and peas, which was very very nice. Um, who else has eaten? food in the course of doing <laughs> I'm very I'm you know, very glad you're giving this answer the weight it deserves <laughs> like thank you very much cyclists cyclists just think about cyclists they either eat loads or nothing depending on the time of yeah, year right so if they are if they're losing weight for a, a big race they eat ludicrously little they'll have just sip espressos and then have a small piece of steamed fish and like spinach oil it is. It is like being a, exactly what it is. Yeah. Are they very but irritable though when you're asking them questions when they're not eating? They they're they're almost literally horizontal sometimes. So you just have to. <laughs> coffee is all important. They're so tired because they've done loads of training and they're really hungry, and you have to be very conscious when you order your food not to have like massive plate of <laughs> fish and chips, <laughs> like tomato ketchup all over I'd it just to, just to make it awful for them. You guys not going to have anything? Oh, this is great, this food. Do you know any pudding? I might have two puddings <laughs> and a soup. I might have a crouchy soup to start. When you're doing these things and someone tells you something that's quite, uh, that I don't know, makes them look bad, as it were. Yeah. Is it your sort of, are you thinking, okay, let's not put that in because that'll that that'll make them look bad and this is the, the point of the book is to make them look good or are you sort of thinking, how do we change this so it's still honest or still relevant to the story? Yeah, that is a good question. And this does pop up with most books. So I would generally say it's best to be honest. 
mm-hmm. but without giving it the full Donald Rumsfeld, it's possible to be honest in not entirely honest ways sometimes. So right. let's say, Jack, you had done something totally heinous, and I'm not suggesting for a moment cool. you have. Wow. This is a really this uh, this <laughs> podcast is going to be the end of me, isn't it? <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you what, an example we could use. Oh yeah, because there was one in one of the books you read. So we mentioned it earlier uh, when we were chatting before the thing. Jermaine Pennant's mental. Jermaine Pennant almost brags about how he killed uh, former Hollyoaks star Jennifer Metcalf's cat with his dog. And it's horrible. It is generally the worst part of any book we've read. Um, how would you have handled that? <laughs> well, the first first question would have, would have been to Jermaine saying, do you want to talk about this in the book? The second one would probably have been, and I appreciate this won't necessarily work for this example, is, uh, is this um, incident already publicly known about? Right. Because if the incident is out there and you don't mention it in your book, it's quite strange. Um, then your next approach is you can talk about something and sometimes you don't need to go into the great specific details. So let's say there was a night out where you, Jack, had disgraced yourself. Then you could just Why say... Why you keep on bringing this up? <laughs> I've heard the stories. <laughs> I've Jack seen the well. images. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you could say in your book, Jack, that you know you had this night out and you did things you regret. But you wouldn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to say that you had... Um, with Jermaine Pennant had killed the cat of a soap star. <laughs> so that's the degree of honesty that you could find within it. You know, you are saying... He's not being done. honest at all, by the way, listeners, right now. <laughs> There's no honesty in what he's saying right now. <laughs> but I think this, the, to, to make a serious point, you have to remind yourself that it's not your book. Yeah. So you're, you were there to guide the person and the subject. And, you know, you're, you're trying to bring... I often say, look, it's it's as if you were a great writer. That's how this has got to sound. So it can't sound like me when I write. Yeah. It can't. You you're not a writer, so you don't have a written voice. It can't be an oral history because otherwise that's just a transcription. So it's almost as if, if you were a really good writer. This is how you would sound. If that makes that's sense. Interesting. Yes. So it's sort of their voices and their and then I suppose it is. You're right. It's that question of okay, do you want to talk about this and how much detail do you want to go into? Yeah. Uh, with yeah. It? And it's your book, so it's ultimately it's your choice if we talk about it. Like sometimes you'll hear stuff which sometimes amazing stories. And certainly the journalist in your head is going, Fucking hell, that yeah. what a tale that is. <gasps> what did it re- did you? With Oh my god. But you have to remind yourself that you aren't a journalist, you are writing their book. And if they don't want it in there, that's their book. But that that's You can't ties just go after and sell it to the sun or something like that. I guess that would no. be yeah. You would be a very bad person. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah. So it's, that, that goes back to what I was saying about um, getting buy-in from them as well. That you never want a subject to think that this is just something you you are doing for yourself. Of like course. They're doing it for them, and you are there to help them make it as good as possible and make it really as good a book as it could be for them. In like a few decades, though, when you're on your final resting bed, yeah. Do you think How you'll many spill some of the beans. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> how many you, decades it will be spill? because those stories might be lost forever you yeah. need to pass them on will you come on the I podcast mean, then oh well yeah let's make another date yeah <laughs> dash is effectively threatening you because that deathbed thing may be happening very soon if you're not careful yeah <laughs> and there'll be plenty more from tom fordyce after the break well it's a quiz but this time it's a podcast yes Woo! 
with me, Mikita Oliver. I was going to go with that at first, you know, I really was. I love a quiz. I'm nervous. Oh, how many edges does a 20p have? Uh... Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God, I'm doing so badly. We will quiz, we will chat, and then we will repeat forever. Just search Quiz Chat Repeat in your podcast app. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Football Book Club meets Tom Fordyce. You worked for Match as well, Tom. Is that right? Yeah, did you? I'm guessing, was, what was this, early noughties you worked at Match? So I, I was massively lucky. So the editor of Match at the time, a guy called Chris Hunt, was really good because he had this thing about employing people who really had very little experience but had lots of ideas. So when I was in my final year at college, I got the chance to go and work. So this would have been the summer of 95 to go up and work with oh, Match, wow. which to me was absolutely blew my mind because they just casually say to you, oh, we've got this chance to go uh, send someone to go training in Liverpool. Do you want to go? You'd be like, what? <laughs> I could, you, you tell me I can go training with Liverpool? Yeah. You know, oh your mates, you, know, you were used to doing these sort of summer jobs where you'd be earning like £3.10 an hour packing apples or something. And someone's going, you can go and tra- train with, um, with uh, Robbie Fowler and Jamie Redknapp. Um, so, yeah, so I did that. And then when I was doing my, journal- my one-year journalism degree, I just used to get the call from Match if they wanted someone to go and do something. So I was down in Cardiff and I just, uh, this is pre-mobile phones, you come back to your answer phone, your flat, and there'd be a message saying, can you go to, um, can you get to Bolton tomorrow to the Reebok factory to interview Peter Schmeichel? 
So this just felt incredible to me that yeah. I could go and interview Peter Schmeichel. And this was an era, this is such a different era, where you'd have a phone number for all the training grounds in the Premier League and there would be a payphone on the wall outside the dressing room. So you'd phone this thing and one of a big-name footballer would answer the phone and you'd just go, can I speak to Ryan, please? And then you'd get this, Giggsy! <laughs> Giggsy! <laughs> and Ryan Giggs would come to the phone. <laughs> which And it's impossible to, so to imagine funny. such a situation that's now. Great. But that's what... That's what would happen. Or you'd phone up and go, yeah, can I speak to Phil Babs? Babsy! Babsy! <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's how it began at match. Was, was that, when we did um, Nev- the Neville's book the other week, there were so many stories that were uniquely 90s y, like uh, mm. Jordi Cruyff and Sir Alex getting dragged along to watch Spice World the movie and stuff like that. There must have been, yeah. and like we talked about these photos earlier with Carboni and stuff, there must have been some features and photo shoots you did at match that you look back on and think, what was all that about? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there were certain tropes that would reappear. So the we go round a footballer's house, double page spread, which you might be familiar with. Yeah. So, for example, you might go round to Robbie Elliott's house in Keyside, okay. and uh, there was <laughs> they would always look the same because generally the uh, footballer had no idea where anything was in the house. They don't, obviously um, they were quite young. Mm-hmm. There'd usually be a lounge which have a massive sofa in and a big telly, and then a PlayStation. And then lots of empty rooms, but just nothing. Yeah, in them. yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, you'd... you'd go to the kitchen, and the photographer would often want like, "All right, show us. Can you make a cup of tea, Robbie?" And then they'd be like, well, "I don't know where the cups are." <laughs> and then, and then it'd be, "Can you pretend? Can you get a saucepan and just turn it towards you so we can't see? There's nothing in it, and pretend to be making something." <laughs> oh no! I, I, don't know, I don't know where the saucepans are. So there were certain tropes like that. There were also times where you would just. Because it, because it was all about the photos in, in match and shoot, you know, so that would almost be the basis of the interview. You try and find something from that player's uh, life that was interesting. So, for example, uh, the former um, Bolton goalkeeper, Keith Brannigan, used to make his own guitars. Wow. So I remember, I remember a double-paid spread where Keith Brannigan was showing you, I've just, this is one I've made the body for, and this is, I've, I've made the neck here, and then the next one would be like, I'm going to attach the neck to the body. <laughs> So I think those are probably some of the most surreal ones. Yeah, definitely. Where it's in these like, like making pizza. guitars. Yeah. yeah, making guitars with Keith. Here's Brannigan. a Fender I made earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so again, it's like it's a lost era because that you know the way that access is is um, restricted now to footballers. But yeah, you would do you would do ridiculous things. You would do. There was a point where it started getting slightly harder, and you had to go through the sportswear companies. So for example, you would go to Nike, yep. and you'd say, "Look, we will do a photo spread with Robbie Fowler." in Nike gear um, if you get us half an hour with him. And then the resultant photo shoot would basically have Robbie Fowler in a Nike cap with a Nike polo shirt with a with the swoosh and the collar in a n- Nike sweatshirt with like one Nike ball under his arm and then <laughs> some Nike balls dangling off his fingers. <laughs> That's great. So yeah, it was. I've got very fond memories of that time. It was just... There were days where you would be traversing the, com- the, the country in a hire car, in a cheap hire car. Um, maybe, yeah, on your way to, you might be on your way to Manchester to talk to the Neville brothers. And then you might be going down to Southampton to see Jason Dodd. <laughs> and then the next day you might be going to see Adiak in Bayi in Norwich. And, you know, it, it felt like you were bestriding one of the Dream great day. eras of, of British culture. But yeah. you, were, you know, you, you had your fingers on the pulse of, <laughs> of, the, of the nation's heart. You know, <laughs> Neville, Dodd, Akinbai, three days. And just to be clear, can Robbie Elliott make a cup of tea? 
Was not that? that I saw. I mean, so he, that he, was a genuine he, example. That Robbie Elliott. That's a genuine example. Yeah, they wow. would never know where anything was in the cupboard. So he was very nice, <laughs> Robbie Elliott, but just, they would. They were young I lads. Feel like they didn't this have the was a very nineties thing because I, I used to read, you know, a lot of smash hits and Top of the Pops back yeah. in the nineties. Yeah. And they used to have a feature where they'd go round to a pop star's house and get them to cook something. And I really remember them going to Claire from Steps' house, and she didn't know how to make pasta. So they, yeah. you know, it's oh, all yeah. of them. They're all all the same brush. Well, you, we we used to borrow a lot of ideas from things like Smash Hits and Just Seventeen because ah. we we thought we just thought football is pop music, isn't yeah. it? Football yeah. is pop yeah. music for Spice Boys. So we used to yeah we used to we yeah. used to do all those things, all those little ideas like that. We used to just nick. Oh, sorry, I rumbled you. <laughs> <laughs> So, Tom, as you know, we've read a lot of books on the show, some good, some less good, but we start to notice a pattern in them. And again, we cannot stress enough how these aren't your books that we're talking about. But <laughs> as you can probably imagine, there's a template that appears in a lot of these books. There's a lot of themes that always crop up. So we started thinking, do we even need a real footballer to write an autobiography? Can't we just, can we just make up our own yeah, footballer nice. and write it ourselves? Yeah, you, you like that idea? That's good. Yeah. <laughs> good I'm, I'm glad you're on your book. So there's a quote He's on for board. the cover. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> Great idea, Shane, by the execution. So we've been uh, <laughs> we've been toying with some ideas. Uh, our footballer is called Andy Crab, uh, and that's all we've got. Interested? Uh, what's the, what's the Crab story? Well, that's wow. the thing. That's the thing. We want. We kind of we era. Nineties uh, and noughties. We know that late nineties, early noughties. That's our favourite era. So we want to play Premier, the Premier League or definitely Premier League, definitely Premier League. Kind of I think Darren Huckabee is the level we're thinking. So mm. you know, on the fringes of the national team, not maybe not quite getting in, or maybe getting in there just about playing for a maybe, few teams. Yeah, somehow he he pl- he played for England like in a friendly, and then managed to play for Ireland exactly because of his <laughs> ancestry. Yeah. But anyway, we're not sure what he is yet, uh, but we know that there's some life events that he has to tick off. So. Classic football autobiography things. He has to have a drunken night in a training camp abroad that gets messy. <laughs> he has to have a mishap with a drug test. He has to recap the first moment he walked onto a pitch and a needlessly graphic injury in great detail. He has to be suspicious when a foreign manager comes in. He has to finally reveal the truth for an instant the press misreported. He has to get in a blazing row with a fan. He has to make an extravagant, <laughs> extravagant purchase he regrets. And, of course, he has to bump into Peter Reid at least once. As that happens in every book we've read. <laughs> Genuinely <laughs> but th- does. But then Peter the rest is up to our listeners. The book's name. Who did he play for? What did he win? Who was his best mate? Who was the player who made him want to be a footballer? What football does he have an irrational hatred for and he always slags off? So if anyone's listening and they want to send in some ideas for Andy Crabb, please, please let him know. And Tom, if you had any ideas of things that you want Andy Crabb to have done or him to have played for. Well, what I would say with my, with my ghostwriter's hat on, my invisible ghostwriter's hat on, would be um, to ask what his voice is going to be. Okay. Are we, you know, are we, are we looking at someone who is uh, like scathingly honest? Is that going to be a review in quote marks on the cover? You know, crab scathingly honest. Is, <laughs> is he going to play it purely for laughs? Is he going to take it to the gutter in the penance style? Mm. I think is he, he going to be reflective? I think he has to be unbelievably honest yeah. and have no sense of humour. That's, 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 that's the Andy Crabb way. Incredibly earnest. Yeah. Incredibly earnest. But we also want to be entertaining for people. I, th- I think, to be honest, it's Oh, no, no, it, it'll, it'll be entertaining, but not intentionally. Andy <laughs> Crabb, Andy Crabb's not going to let anyone in on his jokes. When we have enough ideas, though, Tom, will you be happy to write the first page for us? <laughs> it would be a pleasure. Oh. It would be an absolute pleasure. Is it going to be one of those books as well where uh, Andy runs out of stories? Um before the 80,000 word mark and <laughs> is forced to pad out the book with a series of appendices along the lines of Crab's, Crab's Greatest, Fifth Eleven and 
Yeah, he's, yeah. he's gonna... the ten best Dream service team. stations in one. Huh? Yeah, that yeah. really, and that was yeah. one of the better books yeah. you read. <laughs> I, I, we're so excited for you to tell the story, Tom. And if anyone has any ideas for it, actually, I think we should let one. Let's let's say you play for Sheffield Wednesday at one point when they're in the Premier League, okay. just for Tom, yeah, as, a, as an honor. Yeah. Oh, well, that's <laughs> nice. Thanks, guys. No worries. That's fine. Well, th- thank was you. Was he responsible crap. for sending us down? Yeah, he he got you relegated. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Almost certainly <laughs> sent you down. Fucking crap. If you have any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you have any ideas, message us on Twitter, Instagram. Let's write this book. Right, before you go, Tom, can we play a game of real book, fake book with you? Yes, please. Brilliant. So I'm going to name you some footballers' autobiographies. If you think it's real, say real. If you think it's one we just made up, just say fake. Make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Perfect. <laughs> That's good. So Paddy Kenny and Perry Groves got six. In this, uh, it's separately, not together. Uh, so you got that to beat. Let's go. Number one, Alan Hansen, tall, dark, and handsome. Uh, true, real is correct. That is a. Real... What was it meant to say? True or real? Uh, real is. <laughs> You're supposed real. to say real, but you said true, so it's not going to yeah, count. Oh. Mark up, I'm afraid. Number two, Des Walker, destined for greatness. Fake. It is correct. It is fake. You saw, as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, I guess you. I know. I would have bought it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, number three, Steve Bold, No Country for Bold Men. <laughs> <laughs> That's got to be fake because the film came out too late for him, and I don't believe he would have read the original source material. So that's a fake. You've seen through it. You've seen. Through it. You've imagine seen imagine it. if he watched No Country for Old Men and then was like, I can write my autobiography. Give me an idea. Yeah. Uh, number four, Peter Crouch, How to Be a Footballer. Mm. Do I need, even need to say? Ah, uh, you don't. You, uh, you you wrote that, Tom. <laughs> yes. There we go. I helped write it. it helped write. Sorry. It. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> Help write it. Is correct. That's real. Uh, number five. Neil Lennon, man and boy. Boy spelt with an H. Yeah, that's got to be real. It is real. It is, it's, this it's is too an cle- unbelievable performance. <laughs> it's too clever for me to think up. It's too clever for me to think it up. Number uh, <laughs> six. Andy Reid's marvelous adventures in Sunderland. Hang on. Marvelous adventures in Sunderland. Andy Reid's marvelous adventures in Sunderland. Well, Andy reads a bit slightly differently wired. He's quite funny. I mean, it's quite a specific part of his career. He's decided to save the forest and the Spurs bit for another time. There wasn't much of Spurs. So As a Spurs fan, I can... Sadly, there wasn't, <laughs> there wasn't too much for him to write about there. I'm going to say they've looked at the support of Sunderland and thought that's, an, uh, that's a decent Christmas seller in the, in the Wearside area. I'm going to say that's, that's real. You've overthought it. You've overthought it, Tom, uh, I'm afraid. That is. Andy Reid's Marvellous Adventures in Sunderland does not exist, I'm afraid. Oh, uh, it uh, should. Carlton Palmer, it is what it is. I think Carlton would have done a book, but I, he would have had a better title than that. It is quite downbeat as a title, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. I mean, are you familiar with the song that they used to sing at Wednesday about Carlton Palmer? No, what was it? Uh, all I say is that it rhymed his surname with smoking marijuana. He didn't like it. Oh, okay. um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that would have been a better title for the book. So I'm gonna say this one is. I'm not sure. I'm gonna say it's fake. It's real. Carlton oh, real well, on that. I know. Good it is it. what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Say it by it's got to be Carlton if it's that. You, you just associate that phrase with Carlton, don't you? Tom, yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. Tom, you've got to go write his next one now and try and try and make up for that last one. Uh, yes. Number eight, Jan Mulby. Mulby kick. <laughs> I Mulby could, kick. Mulby kick. I almost could Mulby kick. What, what does it even mean? Moby Dick. I think was meant to be a pun. Oh. <laughs> Really, that one came across really well. Uh, fake <laughs> is the correct w- answer, unsurprisingly. Mulby kick. Mulby kick. <laughs> oh, I get it. Blame James. He sent it in. James, James sent me that. <laughs> Throw him under the bridge. Uh, number nine, Nathaniel Klein. A brief history of Klein. <laughs> <laughs> 
If only. I wish that was real, but it's fake, it isn't is, it? It is fake. You're correct. And finally, Tom Fordyce, my greatest football team ever. That's a real book. It's a real book. Available now, yeah. RRP, £7.99. Yeah, and I should point out, it's not my greatest fit, it's the reader's greatest football team. They get to select a team, uh, a dream team from uh, the greatest players in history. Ah, there we go. Mm. Well, it's available now, as you mentioned. You got eight. That's really good, Tom. You I'll take it. that. You're way yeah, above Paddy Kenny and Perry Gross. And Paddy was jubilant when he got six. So, like, really was. He was so <laughs> yeah. over the Have that former Sheffield United and Leeds goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start a rivalry. Yeah. Fordyce versus Kenny. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, he's already got enough hatred for Neil Redfern, I think. So, uh, yeah. But thank you so much, Tom, for joining us today. You were absolutely brilliant. Thank you so much for giving us the insight and for letting us know that you're going to write the book with us. Uh, <laughs> when we do, will you come, when Andy Crabb's got more of a story, you'll, you'll come back on, right? Oh, for sure. Brilliant. Yeah, without any doubt. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. What a great guest. He was brilliant. Such a good guest. So good. So really nice. Insightful, yep. intelligent, yep. good looking. <laughs> Bastard. Um, <laughs> that sounds like an Amazon review. Sounds like you're yeah. giving Tom Bordeaux an Amazon review. <laughs> Would buy again. <laughs> Would buy again. Five no, stars. Such a nice man. And also, yeah. I feel like we could actually write a book now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And well, he, that's exciting. He, and he's going to write the beginning of it. He's going to write know. the beginning of the book. That is- <laughs> I really wonder about that. Like, I love how you dropped it in on a live recording because you couldn't exactly say no, could he? I felt like he was he was definitely looking at the time being like, yeah, just say yes, Neil. Yeah, he'll yeah. let you go. Yep. Uh-huh. Uh, Great. Uh, yep. The kids cool. up from school. Come on, yeah, whatever, whatever sure, you want. Sure, 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 sure. Four, 500 pages by your desk. Yeah, it's somewhere. He's, uh, he's already blocked my number, so... Uh, <laughs> it's a good start. Well, Seconds if you think how fast he wrote that Kenny book, then yeah. he'll be able to write the first chapter for us in no time. Yeah, that's true. Exactly. And the case your finger out, Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Right, next week on the show, we'll be heading a little bit back to normality and reading an actual book. Well, kind of. Uh, We're reading Steve Bruce's 1994 (laughs) autobiography, (laughs) Heading for Victory. And you're in for a treat. You are in for a treat. It's it's been quite the the episode, I think. We've started reading it and, oh my. If you've read that or any of the books so far, message us on Twitter, at Footy Book Club, Instagram, at Football Book Club, or on Facebook. Also, importantly, if you have anything you want to contribute to the Andy Crabb story, message us anything. Who he played for, what you want to see him do, where you want to see him. Uh, or just Tom Fordyce fan fiction. Anything you want to write? In? Yeah. <laughs> send send it over. Let's the time make Andy Crab got into a fight with Tom Fordyce. <laughs> yeah, let's make <laughs> let's make this happen. But for now, uh, say goodbye, Jack and Tash. Bye. Goodbye, Jack and Tash. Bye. <laughs> Until next week, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening to Football Book Club. It featured James Bug, Tom Fordyce, Jack Bernhardt, and Natasha Daniels. It was created by James Bug, and it was a Crowd Network production. The theme music, Hills Behind, is the work of Silent Partner and is used on a Creative Commons 4.0 license. We'll be back with more next week when we read Steve Bruce's Heading for Victory. In the meantime, if you've enjoyed the show, please give us a nice rating on the app if you've got it open in front of you. We can't wait to see you next week. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.